It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world. Alright, that's all I got for you guys. My phone got waterlogged um, in Hawaii. I just got back. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're also going to talk about the virus because it's undeniable at this point. Uh, talk to you a little bit about some comedy stuff, some sobriety stuff, and we'll just clo- close it at that, all right? So first things first, uh, Hawaii. Man, what a great trip. Uh, went out there. We stayed in a nice place. Um, the views, uh, if you guys follow me on social media, you get to see some of that stuff. Uh, man, it was amazing, but just the fucking prices. Gah! Hawaii is so expensive. I mean, suntan lotion, normally six bucks, something like that. Went to the store, it was 18 and on the resort it was $28, $38, sorry. So that's kind of a price comparison. You know, and then breakfast, instead of being 15 it was 40 It's fucking insane. And the food really wasn't that great, but uh, if you're going out there to, you know, enjoy beach life, by all means, it's definitely worth it. I mean, some of the most beautiful views. Uh, we had to go snorkeling. I was down there swimming with some sea turtles, which was the highlight of my trip. Uh, just to, to kind of cruise the uh, different reefs, you know, seeing different fish, eels, all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of thing. So that was really cool. Uh, we went to some caves. Uh, me and my, my buddy Noodles were down in the caves. And at one point, you can't even see what's in front of you. And he had his phone, and I was just following him. So if he got too far ahead of me, I couldn't see the steps in front of me. So I just had to stop. And you can't even see, you can only see his little light following. It's crazy when you get deep into caves, too. It's not like an echo. Where you figure it's dead air. So you, can, you can't hear anything probably 10 feet in front of you. It's, it's really bizarre. And on our way out, we went so far in, I kind of surprised this couple. <laughs> that popped up on them. I was like, help, we've been down here for days. <laughs> they just started laughing. It's good times. Uh, what else did we do? Yeah, it was, it was just a lot of chilling on the beach. A lot of sightseeing. We got to see the island. I mean, God, you really can't. Well, we saw a whale. That was pretty cool. We went out... Um, during sunrise, saw a whale. It's pretty majestic. The room was great. We stayed at the Hilton Resort, uh, which I've never really stayed on a resort. I'm more of a kind of uh, stay with the locals, sleep in the tent, that kind of guy. But this was an interesting change, and you know our friends treated us, so it was a it was a blast, you know. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for the, for the opportunity to go. And it was really bizarre too, because out there, when we left, there was a little bit of panic about this whole coronavirus thing. You know, people were like, "Oh, the stores are crazy." But when I was going to the store, I wasn't impacted. You know, we had plenty of stuff. We, we buy our um, toilet paper for about a month in advance, and uh, our water was fine. So I thought, just thought it was a lot, of, um, a lot of hearsay. But, you know, coming back, you could feel the panic in the airport. The airports were rushed. People were being crazy. Um, and then I went to the store this morning, and all the water, all the toilet paper was gone, a lot of the food, stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's nothing to panic over. We're pretty convinced that uh, – oh, I'm convinced that in a couple weeks this is going to be gone. I think all these quarantine measures are, are pretty. It's a, it's a positive thing, you know. That means that we're we're trying to trying to contain things, but it just really sucks to see people being such fucking assholes in the store, you know, hoarding and and fi- I mean, now I understand a little bit because the amount of stuff that's left, you kind of have to be on top of it, you know. But yeah, people's attitude and just their their ability to to fuck over somebody for you know a bottle of water or something like that. I'm like, there's tap water. It's not like they shut off our water supply and. We're living in the dark, and you know the zombies are coming, and you know it's it's just it it's a testament to The Walking Dead, really, <laughs> because either you're in Rick's group and Daryl's group, right? Well, that's us, where we're gonna we're gonna kind of share what we have and take care of each other, or you're on this outside line that's just gonna fucking eat each other's face. 
I'm definitely not political. If anyone knows me, knows I'm not. But all this kind of, you know, California's, you know, we're pretty supposed to be like loving and caring and very liberal. And it's just, I just, the, the amount of, you know, people being assholes <laughs> in public is fucking unbelievable. So I don't know. Hopefully this is just what I'm seeing. I mean, personally, in my close circle of friends, I haven't seen anybody get the virus. I haven't seen anybody react uh, violently or irrationally. And I think that's a testament to my friends and my people out there. So that's great. I um, I look uh, look forward to this being over. But until then, you know, it is what it is. I, I feel the effects. Obviously, I think everybody does. You know, I can't go to stand-up. Uh, the gym is a huge part of my life. That's where I make my money. That's closed down. Um, not only that, too, the Airbnb. Uh, just, uh, you know, having people come from different places and stay, I'm really second-guessing things. Uh, so that's, you know, it's a little bit of a problem. I mean, we don't know where these people are traveling to, or coming from, rather. So, you know, but at the same time, you can't turn on the money that you're going to make. So we're doing the best we can over here, and uh, hopefully everyone over there is uh, getting by. If you need something, give me a call. I'll try to do the best I can to help you guys out. Because most, I think the only people that really listen to this are people I know. <laughs> Which is good by me, man. It's good to get your thoughts out there, right? But it was cool. We went to the, when we were on the resort and uh, out there, I actually got tempted to drink. Well, you know what's, what's funny is, you know, uh, I'm not 100% sober. Because I think anyone that knows the program and that sort of thing knows that to be 100% sober, you have to pretty much abstain from everything. You know, whether it's weed uh, prescription meds that you have to take them as directed. And I have a tendency to kind of, to skew off a little bit in some of those ways. I like to take a THC pill to go to sleep. I feel like it's natural. I've taken Ambien, I've taken prescription medication and I always get adverse effects. When I took a sleeping medication, I woke up in the middle of the night screaming, like violently at the top of my lungs and was moving around and I didn't know what I was doing. And that panicked the shit out of me. I started taking this THC oil. It doesn't get you high or anything like that. It's just a natural sort of CBD thing. But apparently, uh, I, I, th- I don't think that's looked too too highly upon. So, But uh, I do abstain from drugs, uh, alcohol, that sort of thing. And then I was uh, in the airport. I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was at airports. Because here I can go to a bar with my friends. We can hang out. We can shoot the shit. And I'm not tempted to drink at all. Right? Because I know how to hang out. I know how to order food. I could, I could drink a soda. I could do whatever I want. In the airport, there's really nothing to do. Uh, just the amount of time that you're sitting there and it's like, well, let's just get wasted and, and shoot the shit with people at the airport or, you know, watch a movie. Like, I like to do that kind of stuff. So I was so uncomfortable. My anxiety was so high. But, you know, I got through it and I came back. That was my first time, uh, not traveling sober, but one of my first times going on vacation and, and cutting loose and I was sober. So it was interesting, interesting test. I'm glad I got through it. Uh, I'm glad I had a support group there that wasn't wasn't pushing me to, to get all faded or anything like that. Uh, it's just really weird too. It's, it's, it's to me, I, I don't know if it's just cause I'm a straight up alcoholic, but when I'd be on vacation and nobody else was drinking, if I wanted to drink, I would drink like, Oh, I'm just gonna get drunk, whatever. Cause that's what I want to do. So I'd go to the beach and drink, but I noticed people don't drink when other people, like you're not drinking. Oh, I just won't drink. It's well, like, why do you need me to get drunk? <laughs> you know, it's like, go get drunk then. Like, at nighttime, if it's late and you want to go party, like, go party. Like, why do I what, – what is my factor in that, you know? Um, but it was just interesting. I had a great time. And, and coming home, I'm, I'm glad to be here, glad to be back with the dogs. 
They actually got in a fight on the way home, so we came back, and the dogs were all cut up, and there's blood. My roommate, God bless his heart, came in and cleaned up for us a little bit, so took some of the travel pressure off. But, you know, next time, uh, not not him, but uh, next time just for people, if you have bad news and someone's on the way home, just wait till they're home. <laughs> Nothing's going to be gained by them being, you know, 33,000 feet in the air or whatever and and thinking about what they're going to do when they get home. Like, oh, shit, this happened. Just, just don't tell them. Let them come home and, and see it and deal with it accordingly. <laughs> but, yeah, it was really bizarre, too, uh, with this whole virus thing because I didn't really notice anything. But I have been washing my hands more, you know, taking precautions, staying out of crowds when needed. But I do go to stand-up. You know, I go to open mics, a lot of people there. So I wash my hands a little bit more. And what I do generally is I write my set on my knuckles. Anyone that knows that's been on a show of mine, they know I write my, my set, like little key points on each of my knuckles. So if I lose my place, I could turn my hand over while I have the mic. And it's sort of a little unconscious gesture, it seems like. <laughs> and I was washing my hands and I went up on stage for this gig. And I looked at my hand and my fucking set was washed off. And I was like, oh no, the virus got me. <laughs> that was the first time I noticed. That shit was wrong, you know? But anyway, I went to that audition. And even though I washed my... Uh, or I went to a, a, a mic... Sh- so what it was, it was an audition for the Ice House. Right? And and how it works is you go in... Uh, there's no microphone. So it's pretty much like 35 other comics sitting down. So you get up, you go in front of them, and you just start doing your set with no mic. The lights are on regular, so there's no spotlight on you. So you can see everyone's faces. And you do your set... Uh, and he, the guy, the the scout or whatever, he picks about five people that he wants to do an ice house show. And he books you for certain days. So there's about 35 of us. You have to see everybody set. It can generally go from one minute to about six minutes. And then he'll say, all right, wrap it up, which means you're off. You get off. And then at the end of the show, he has notes for everybody. Whether you're newer and he just gives you a couple tips or he books you for the show. And... I was probably like 16th, so I was like right in the middle. So I go up there, I do my set, or I start to do my set, and right away I get some laughs off the bat. I was like, okay, this is going to be a good set. And as I keep going, I notice the laughter sort of dies off, and people start like, what? Duh. But it's all comics. So I'm not really thinking it's a cutthroat sort of situation. I was just like, oh, we're all comics. Uh, whoever the, the guy wants to book for their talent is going to get booked. Right? Like, if he likes your style, he likes your style. But it reminded me a lot of a acting audition where it's like, there's only one part, and everyone's like, fuck this guy. I don't want to be cool with you. And I'm not like that. I'm like, well, he's going to pick who's going to pick, regardless if I like you or not. So I got off stage, called Nikki. I'm just like, God, I fucked up. That was the worst set I've ever had. But it is what it is. Uh, if I don't get it, which I don't think I am. I'm not going to be too upset. Going to take it for an experience. I got some stage time, right? That's a really that's probably the toughest crowd I've ever had to deal with. So I felt that, okay, I'm going to grow from this, right? And I turn around, I go back in, and he starts calling people's names. They go up, you know, they walk away pissed off, or they walk away with a stack of tickets. He had five, five spots. So uh, I see people grabbing the spots. I'm kind of standing there. It's supposed to go in order when you go on stage. Most people have already gone up, and I'm like, fuck, what's this guy? So I'm kind of keeping eye contact on him, and he turns to me, and he says, oh, come here. So I go over to him, and he goes, you were great. He's like, what's your name? And I was like, oh, da-da-da. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I booked you after your second joke. I was like, oh, shit. 
So I gave me this stack of tickets, and I said I wasn't going to get too excited either way, but I was like, ah, because <laughs> that's one of my dreams is to get a spot booked at the Ice House, right, as far as stand-up goes. So I got the spot, and um, my buddy London Lee, who's a stand-up, he told me about that, the audition, so I, I messaged him too, and I said, you know, thank you so much, I appreciate the the heads up so I can get the spot, and he said, I hope you get the spot, I said, thank you, I got it. I said, but the audition was terrible. It was hard. And he's like, yeah, all those fucking comics and they want you to fuck up. <laughs> it's like, okay, it wasn't just me. It was, you know, that's kind of the protocol for it, I guess. But that worked out. So that audition or that uh, spot, I actually have my own show. It's going to be May 17th. Sorry, it's not my own show. I have a guaranteed 10-minute spot on May 17th. I have free tickets. So if you guys want to go to the show, just hit me up. I'll shoot you a ticket or I can have them at the door for you. Uh, they gave me like 30 so it's supposed to be a $10 show, but I can get you in for free. Two drink minimum. Uh, I know I'm one of the, the lesser talented comedians up there. So I know it's going to be a, a great a great uh, night of just jokes and stuff like that. So come out. I think this virus is going to pass within a couple weeks. Uh, I think that uh, once things get back to normal, uh, it'll be easier to spot the assholes, hopefully. <laughs> but handshakes are going to be a weird thing for a while. But yeah, just stay safe, guys. Uh, much love, and hopefully, you guys are still staying connected and staying positive, and not trying to, you know, follow too much of this crap because it will drive you crazy. Even if it is serious, and even if it is uh, life-threatening, you know, don't let your wife uh, be fooled by it. Hopefully, not fooled by it, but you know, don't let it consume you guys. You know, take the precautions, do what needs to be done, and um, you know, we'll all get through this, guys. So, much love. Take care, guys. Peace out.